Well, good morning, Deer Run Church. How's everybody doing this morning? How's everyone's hands looking? Are they callous like mine? Have you guys been chopping down some trees uh, this week? I was trying to figure out a way that I could somehow tie in chopping down trees with uh, a healthy family. And I have nothing appropriate, so I'm just going to skip out on that. My name is Peter Klaus, and I'm an associate pastor here at Deer Run Church. Um, so, like uh, my wife Maria said, uh, our mission as a church is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And we're going through this healthy uh, series where we're uh, dissecting different parts and different elements of our life, trying to um, implement a biblical view of different elements and how to live that out, whether it be siblings, grandparents. Today we're um, speaking about healthy families. So the topic of... Um, the title of my sermon is Healthy Families. Now, notice that the, the title is not Perfect Families. So everybody can rest easy. We're not trying to make perfect families. That's impossible. So we have to rest easy with that. There's no such thing as a perfect family. They are all, like the rest of humanity, messy and complicated. But when I say the word family, what is it that we're talking about here? A family. When I say family, I'm referring to a group of one or more parents living with their children together as a unit. My heart is heavy on this topic because over the 22 years I've been doing youth ministry, I have seen and I've worked with so many struggling families. Yet out of many of those struggling families, I have seen some of the most powerful transformations and so with the heaviness I have this overwhelming sense of hope as well hearing about the amazing revival happening in Asbury um, University in Kentucky have you guys seen kind of what's going on there it's truly inspiring to see how the Holy Spirit is moving through not like through these mega church systems but through grassroots bottom-up situations and God is in the move but if I could ask God for a revival anywhere, I thought a lot about this. I think I would ask God for a revival within our families and our community. Because the influence of a family, what they have on an individual and as a group, is very profound and very unique. I've had the pleasure of hearing about a family that all together became followers of Jesus in Mexico. It started with the son in the family hearing a testimony at a youth group. And then that son was immediately inspired when he saw that transformation. Went home and gave his life to Jesus. And then experienced that same transformation, that same sense of hope. And started to pray. Started to just be infatuated with the Bible. Started reading the Bible. This concerned the parents a little bit. And even at some point he said, hey, you need to lay off the Bible a little bit. That's freaking us out. But he couldn't help it. And he kept planting seeds in his family. Planting seeds with the dad. Planting seeds with the mom. Planting seeds with the, the other siblings. And he kept sharing his faith. And eventually all seven kids and the parents became fully devoted followers of Jesus. July 23rd, 2003. So this year marks the 20-year anniversary of that powerful event. What makes this story extra special, especially for us as a church, is that the, 
uh, one of the daughters in that family would go on to become a member of our staff here at Deer Run Church. That's Anna Unger. She shared this story with me. I have permission to share it. And she would be willing uh, to tell you more uh, cool details about that transformation that happened on a family level uh, in one day. It's absolutely amazing. I wanted to celebrate that story um, and many others where Jesus broke into families and left an extraordinary testimony of his faithfulness. When a family turns to God, it just lasts longer for some reason. And I've seen this happen before, and it is truly, absolutely amazing. As a youth ministry, we have decided to be more focused on not just ministering to youth, not just to have parents drop off their youth and and, and then have us to just uh, zero in on their teens, but we're now adopting an approach where we want to minister to the entire family. Because we as a church believe that when the family wins, our younger generation also wins. If we can help encourage and equip families, it will have a longer-lasting effect on the discipleship of our young generation. And so with that, we want to ask a question. What can we do to create healthy families? What does that look like? How do we explore this? I think that step number one is to come to terms with the fact that God is the source of health. God is the source of health. He is true health. Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 says, By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Often, working against us to make this happen, is that we adopt these toxic habits that that we've retained over past family experiences, maybe even growing up, that can be anything from poor communication to um, a culture of unforgiveness or even abuse. We take take those things with us into our um, family units. At any rate, our selfish nature always pushes back against anything that seeks to serve God. And so... This morning, I would like us to go deeper, deeper under the surface level of our families. Because just because you do all of the right things in your family, that does not actually mean that you have a healthy family, okay? Some of the most toxic and abusive families I have ever worked with have been regular church-attending, ministry-leading, Bible-reading, and passionately-praying people. Just because you have a doormat outside your house that says, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord, that does not mean that your house is full of healthy family members. No more than having a Jesus sticker on your bumper makes you a Christian. Creating a healthy family comes down to the individual heart of those inside of the family. Beneath the layer, behind the curtain. So, This morning, I want us to place our attention on the heart. Let's focus on the heart, especially the parents leading the family. A key to a healthy family is the condition of the heart. So, and if that were not true, I would just put up a a list of to-dos. You could take a screenshot, and then we could go home early today. But the fact of the matter is, 
the condition of the heart is hard work. It's not like the, the sitcoms that we grew up with, the TGIF um, shows where everything got resolved in an hour. Family matters, step-by-step, -step, full house. No matter how bad Steve Urkel messed things up. The people who chuckled, I just dated you, so. <laughs> Steve Urkel, I remember that guy. Those are the shows we grew up with, right? They gave us false pre- uh, view of, of what families actually look like. Though it is nice to see family units work together and work things out, but it's more difficult than that. Your heart bleeds into your actions. It bleeds into your life. It is our heart. The way you live your life is a reflection of this. Healthy families start on the micro level of the position of your heart because out from your heart, you live. Luke, of course, the physician, Luke uh, 6, 45, chapter 6, verse 45 says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart... His mouth speaks. So what is the treasure of the heart? What is it that we're referring to? It is the light of the gospel. That's the treasure that we're talking about. That's the heart that we have to approach our families. The love that God bestows onto us of his relentless grace that just meant it could not let you go. He left the 99 sheep to come after you the one, so that you would not die in your sins. The love so powerful it couldn't even keep Jesus from piercing the boundary between heaven and earth so that he could take your fear, your shame, and, and nail it to the cross through his body, leaving it there dead when we accept him in faith. Have you experienced that love? Have you experienced that sense of redemption? Because this is the foundation. When this happens, you cannot help but be transformed when you experience it. You know, a lot of us are trying to transform our lives ourselves. Transformation happens naturally after you succumb to the love of God. It just seeps into every pore of your soul. You cannot help but live it out when you taste a little bit of God's glory. That is the good treasure that we have in our heart. Now, if you don't, and you're like sitting here like, man, that sounds pretty good. Peter should be a TV salesman. Well, the good news is, it is not too late. If you have air in your lungs, you can right now, in your heart, say yes to Jesus. I want to make you the boss over my life. I recognize that I'm helpless in my sins. And only you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, can fill that void. You can save me. And you're the only one who can do it. And so I dedicate my life. And when that happens, you experience this redemption. There's a story of uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, he's getting onto a train, 
And the story goes, this man ran after him and says, Gandhi, Gandhi, what message do you have that I can take back to my village and share with them? Gandhi looked at this man and he said, man, my life is my message. Is your life your message? What happens in your heart manifests through your life. What message are you bringing your family? As for any children listening, I would like to kind of zero in on you right now. Parents are not perfect, and you probably already know this. And I'm asking you right now to practice wisdom and to practice grace on them. And don't use the faults of your parents to live a sloppy life. Because if you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, you have it within you to live for Jesus. The Bible encourages you to obey and to respect your parents in Ephesians chapter 6.1. You are a vital, valuable, important member of your family. Parents, it falls on us to help lay the foundation. It's not our children's job. It's not your parents' job. To, to lay that foundation. It is your job. There's a saying that goes, <laughs> and in many ways it, it, it can ring pretty true. Um, if you raise your children, you get to spoil your g- grandchildren. But if you spoil your children, you get to raise your grandchildren. <laughs> I think in many ways that can come around and bite us, right? <laughs> Parents, it falls on us to lead our children. It's no one else's job. It falls on us. We lead the home and we set the tone. That sounds like uh, (laughs) a cheesy country song lyric, but it's true. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 7 says this. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them uh, when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Parents, live out your faith in your home. I want to focus on different parenting methods right now. There are many, but I'm going to reduce them to three. Make it a little bit more simple. The first parenting method I want us to explore right now is uh, um, authoritarian parenting. Um, This one, authoritarian parenting would probably look something like, you better do that or else. You know, the or else is the motivation. The goal of this parenting is external obedience. The shortcoming of this approach uh, to parenting is that we are addressing the behavior when we should be shaping the heart. We're addressing the behavior when we should be uh, shaping the heart. And it all comes back to the heart. Because even if you get the desired behavior, even if you get the markers right, the social markers, that yes, that, that's well behaved, it could also just mean that your kids have become very good con artists and they pulled a fast one on you and they're just hiding things from you. So be careful with this approach. I know because I was a good con artist growing up. I know how it works. Let's swing the pendulum now to the other side of the spectrum, and let's look at a different approach to parenting. This approach I would call uh, permissive parenting style. Permissive. 
This take on parenting became more popular in the 1960s. It's basically affirmation on steroids. Um, the style of parenting finds it very difficult to say no. There's virtually no correction in this method. And by affirming a child, the overarching hope is that the child will correct itself. But they often don't. This approach is responsible for participation ribbons. It's responsible for uh, giving kids trophies for just for showing up. It uh, rewards misbehavior. Parents often think that it's cute when their children misbehave. They think it's funny. There's YouTube videos, and they're littered all over uh, social media of little children swearing and parents laughing. Okay? That's permissive parenting. So little children swearing and parents laughing, but they don't laugh when they're 13. What you allow, you encourage. We have to be very careful. What you allow, you encourage. The premise is that kids are basically good by default. Kids are good by default. Anyone who believes this should read The Lord of the Flies. It's an eye-opener. We are all born into sin. We are all depraved. Even children. We are all uh, sinners in need of a Savior. We all uh, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 now, if you would like a demonstration of this, if you're still not sold on, on this, I would uh, welcome you to go check out our toddler room because you'll very quickly see how toddlers react to each other. Basically, the way a toddler thinks, if I like it, if it's shiny, if it is within my grasp, it is mine. An entire generation of parents took this approach, and we now are witnessing the full effect on our culture, on full display in our society in real time. Those kids are now teachers in our schools. Those kids are now politicians in our countries. Those kids are now pastors in our churches. The last approach I would like to uh, jump into in terms of parenting is biblical parenting. It focuses on the heart of a child. This approach calls us to ask the question, where is this coming from? What is the cause of this? What is going inside my child to cause this reaction or response? And how do I speak truth into this situation? The biblical model uh, beckons us to look ahead and ask the questions uh, like, what type of adults do I want my children to be? And how will I bring them there? In Proverbs 22.6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Do not accept the notion that every child needs to go through a horrible season of rebellion. Do not accept that they need to go through a horrible season of rebellion. Our youth do not need juicy testimonies to be a better Christian. Okay? They don't. There should be a celebration of the discipline and self-control that new Christians possessed when they gave their life to Jesus. But unfortunately, we tend to reward and congratulate new converts who fell deeper into sin. And that's unfortunate. The prodigal son story in the New Testament was not a reference for how we are to value the prodigal lifestyle. 
There is something beautiful to be said. When a child chose not to get drunk, when a child decided to not be addicted to um, devices, when a child decided not to look up the garbage on the internet, when a child uh, decided not to hang out with toxic influences. Because guess what, kids? Guess what, teens, young adults? You're not missing a thing. You've, you've spared yourself so much, and it does not devalue your Christian walk with the Lord. Parents of healthy um, families are involved in every stage of life with this child, okay? When it's appropriate, I would even say this. Include your children in adult conversations when you're at social outings. One time, I was at someone's house, and a daughter decided to join in on the conversation that we adults were having. And it absolutely crushed my heart to hear the mother look at the daughter and say, I don't hang out with your friends. Why are you here with mine? Embarrassed, the girl walked away, sadly. All I saw was a missed opportunity to slowly integrate our young ones into our social circles. Children naturally want to be a part of our conversations. Why don't we figure out ways to integrate that and make it possible? We should be encouraging it. Now, obviously, use wisdom here because I'm not saying that kids should be a part of every conversation, but I love it when we encourage our kids to contribute. You are validating your child's desire for maturity. How is that not a bad thing? You do this when you include your children in more social settings. It's healthy. And if you all of a sudden do want them to go and play, just talk about something super boring. Like when my brother-in-law Dan talks about computers or networking. It's an absolute snooze fest. Looking, actually, yeah, then all the adults leave too. And Dan's left by himself. <laughs> Ah, uh, I love that man. All right, looking at Jesus growing up in the Bible, if you want to see Jesus, uh, good luck. There's not a whole lot written about him. We have snapshots. We have a snapshot of G a junior high Jesus, which I would pay a lot of money to see that. That would be amazing. Um, we have only one verse, but we have four things, four important things. Of course, the physician Luke <laughs> finds this. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. This is what it says. Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. Children just need to grow. They need to grow in wisdom. They need to grow in stature. Our church isn't just babysitting. The Remix team are working hard to bring value to your family and encouraging, um, uh, in, sorry, and engaging with your children. Instilling wisdom and stature wherever they can. You know, if you came early, if you came at 10 o'clock, and you happen to walk by those stairs at the back there, and you happen to look underneath, you probably only see feet, but if you look even deeper, you will see every single person that's involved with their Sunday school ministry do what's called huddle time. Whether they're large group, whether they're small group, they get together and they pray. What are they praying for? They are praying for your children. They're praying for you. They're praying for your entire family. They strive to bring value and draw your family into a healthy um, unit. Raising a healthy family means dousing it in prayer. 
Praying in word and in action. You know, so much of our praying is reduced to just words. Don't just keep it at words. Live out your prayer. You are praying through your actions. So do your prayers match your lifestyle? Where is your heart when you pray? Husbands, are you praying with your wives? Are you taking those initiatives? Parents, are you praying with your children? Take as many opportunities to pray as you can. This is an everyday occurrence in our family. It's become a more of a cultural norm for us. We love, to, we love the drive to church because that's usually when we take turns praying um, for the service. Another mark of a healthy family is biblical connection. This is important. You have prayer, but you also have it tying into Scripture. Whether doing devotions together or apart, make sure you debrief what is going on in there as they interact with Scripture. The supper table is often a place where this happens in our family. Car rides is usually a place where we're like, hey, so what are you learning in the Bible? Also, I believe one of the most important also is mission. Is mission. Our church's mission statement is, is valuable. It tells us where we are going. Our mission is leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. What is the mission of your family? For us, we've kind of jumped on that bandwagon because church is such a big part of our life. We've chosen to do leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus as well. But what we also do is we, my wife and I have decided to do a vision. The vision of how we are living out our mission. This, um, this past year, the past few years has been difficult for us because of the, um, all the different things that COVID has brought into not only our church, but also our social circles. And we've had to, uh, um, it changed the way our relationships looked in many different ways. And that was a very difficult grieving process for us. And maybe you've had to go through that grieving process as well. But we've decided that our vision for 2023 is the best is yet to come. We want that to help us lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus as a family. So I want you to think and pray about being intentional with where you are leading your family. Create a vision. Think where do you want your family, what do you want your family to look like a year from now? What do you want your family to look like five years from now? What will the ages be? I was thinking, my daughter Trinity is almost 15 years old. In five years, she'll be 20. I, it's, it's beyond me. So what do I want her to look like when she is 20 years old? And how do I bring her there? How can I as a father be intentional? Fathers, I want to quickly also just throw you out there. You are so incredibly important. Mothers, you are very important too, but I just want to focus on fathers because culturally, fathers are, men in general, are being, um, they're being attacked. Without a father, a child is five times more likely to live in poverty and commit a crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school Without a father, a child is 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Fathers, you matter. 
Your presence matter. I know that there's many fatherless homes and for a variety of different reasons. So I want to tread very lightly with what I'm saying. I am in no way in my message wanting to leave you discouraged because guess what? There is hope. We appreciate and love you for your uphill battles, you single moms, you fighting moms. Jesus is in the business of redemption and God can use your situation as a single parent to show the world how powerful of a God we worship. I want to leave that with you. But also men, I challenge you to mentor youth. Maybe you are present in your family. I want to challenge you to maybe take on another kid in our ministry who may not have a dad. This is heavy for me. <clears throat> I had like two parents, both a woman came up to me and said, my heart is so heavy for these youth. I want to take in uh, some, some girls. If I can take in some girls, I'm like, wow. I didn't ask. I didn't take the initiative. I had a father come up to me who is a present father in his home. And he said, you know, Peter, can you give me a, a, a boy, a boy who's struggling, just so I can take him out, take him out to a coffee shop and pray with him and encourage him? I just feel like I can do that. And I was like, you have no idea how powerful that is when men step up and become a strong figure in another person's life. I want to encourage you guys to pray about that. And if God is leading you there, talk to either Pastor Jonathan or myself. Together we can make a difference. Moms, you are amazing. We would not be here without you. The sacrifices that you have made for your family cannot be measured by human standards. Please listen to that. Please don't think that I am in any way undermining anything that you're doing. You are golden. It's often you who are left holding the weight, the family, when all else fails. So keep fighting. Keep fighting. Families, sons, daughters, mothers, fathers, grandparents, I would like us to do something this morning. I could keep talking about different things that we could be doing or different aspects, but I think that prayer is so important. I want to invite God into our families this morning. I want us to pray together, whether you're three years old or whether you're 90 years old. Could we right now dedicate our family to Jesus? Now, if you're listening and you're watching this online, you can do this too. Join us in prayer. Would you all be so bold as to stand up right now as we are about to pray? And if you can't stand, it's okay. But if you can stand, let us stand together. Let us take a posture of intentional prayer over our families. Okay? Maybe not every child is present here. Maybe you have children that are not following the Lord. Maybe you have grandchildren that you know of that have fallen away from the faith. Pray Jesus over them. Over the brokenness, the heaviness of your heart. Because guess what? God is in the business of miracles. Psalm Chapter 147, verse 3. I want to pray this over you. Listen to these words from God. He says this. 
He heals the brokenhearted and he mends up their wounds. If your family is wounded, pray that those wounds become healed. Pray Jesus over your family. What I'm about to do is I'm about to give you 30 seconds of quiet time where you are praying over your family. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is guiding your thoughts towards. So I'm asking you right now, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Could we all raise a hand up to God and pray over our families? In the next 30 seconds, I'm going to give you time to right now pray over your family as you raise your hand, and I will close in prayer. Let's start that time right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the presence this morning. We want to give you the headship over our families. You are the king of the universe. And may the families represented here, whether online or in person, worship you fully. May you heal our broken hearts with your grace and truth. And may the peace of your love fill our lives because it is only through you that we can have healthy families. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we pray you over every ounce of our family. We lift them up to you. We bring them to the cross because, Holy Spirit, you are on the move. We're seeing you move throughout the world. We're seeing you move through Asbury. But you are not limited to Asbury. You are moving throughout every region in the world. And you're waiting for us to welcome you into our families, into our lives, so that we can watch you do the miraculous things that only you can do, so that we can in turn worship you with all of our hearts. And with that, we pray. Amen.